Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> We're How, we never here at night, are oh, we? Oh, never, never. How are you holding up? I my face is numb, but other than that, other than that, I'm I'm just real good. Uh, but welcome everybody to Let's Talk Movies with Moira and Shannon. I'm I'm the Shannon part of this team, and I'm the Moira part. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so thrilled to be here with you. I always this is like my my guilty pleasure. I don't even it shouldn't be a guilty pleasure, but it is because we get to talk about something different and things that I love, which are movies. Right. So I enjoy this time with you so much. Oh, same goes. And it's crazy to think that we've been doing this for over a year now. I, you know, that's, it's insane. I, right? I, I, when we had the Oscar thing, I realized that was the start of it all. Yeah. And here we are into our second, the beginning of our second year. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> and I'm so glad that when I asked you about b- doing this as part of the podcast-a-thon, mm-hmm. uh, and we, we kind of batted around some themes, but I, I really am excited to get into this with you. I feel a little uh, at sea because I'm not sure what I'm going to say about some of these things. But what we're going to do, you guys, is we're going to talk about autism, the history of autism in films. Yeah. Yeah. An, an overview, not of everything, yes, but yes. Uh, an, a, a soupçon. Yeah. Is that what they say? Uh, a couple of uh, housekeeping things to take care of here. First of all, we want to welcome all of you to the podcast-a-thon. I, I, I completely don't even remember. It, it'll say on my cheat sheet which hour it is. This is hour 32, 32 of the 44. I'd like to point out that the reason why we said that we wanted to do 44 hours was because the prevalence of autism was 1 in 44. Right. That and we knew that the number was going to change. We'd had a heads up that, the, that it was going to be a new number coming. I don't think we thought it was going to be as different as it was. It's a little shocking. It know? is, because now it's 1 in 36. And somebody said to me, well, that's great. You'll only have to do 36 hours. And I said, no, no, no. We said from the beginning we would do 44. But um, for everybody who keeps saying, well... F- because I don't know if you've heard this, people have said to me, well, 36 and 44, those numbers aren't that different, mm. which incenses me and what makes me want to light my hair on fire and run screaming through the streets with a hatchet, mm. but ask me how I really feel. <laughs> um, but here we are at hour 32, and when we get to hour 36, I will be here too, and I wanna, I'm going to point out to everybody, so if it makes no difference, then we would stop here. Mm-hmm. But we have so many ma- hours left after that and so much content after that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just talking about it in terms of hours of content. But right. when you're talking about in terms of human lives, mm-hmm. it is a vastly different number. A yes. vastly. So in any case, we're in hour 32 of the podcast, Yvonne, and uh, we are welcoming everybody to please participate and write in your questions and comments because we are live right now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And Twitch. Twitch. Um, so you can write in your comments, and we'd love, because we don't always get to do this live. No, we don't, and it's super fun because it's a different dynamic and you know and being able to see the comments as they scroll it's like and and wow. to hear to hear what you guys think about what we're saying mm-hmm. uh, because we don't always agree on what we talk about and that's my favorite part yeah. can I be honest with you yeah. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we do agree that mm-hmm. we have things that we go yes we both like that and I think that says something mm-hmm. um, but a lot of times we were like polar opposites on things mm-hmm. which was part of the reason why we started to do this to begin with right because exactly somebody right. called us the Siskel and Ebert of, of autism uh, parents, and uh, and then away we went with an Oscar yep. show, and we've been doing it ever since. It's like, yeah, you didn't have to ask me twice. There we go. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of this, but we've been also raising money throughout the podcast-a-thon that um, Autism Care Today, which is the the charity that Dr. Grampy Shea had founded, and we share office space with them, they 
give grants to families for things that they ask for. And one of the things that people ask for a lot are iPads because iPads, mm -hmm. you can have educational material on it, but it also can be used as an AAC device. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is the key to functional communication for other people. So we decided that we wanted to do a little fundraiser for iPads. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to raise $5,000 before tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. And if we raise at least $5,000, Dr. Grampichet is going to shave my head absolutely bald live on the show. So we're very excited about that. I can hardly wait. Mm -hmm. uh, I just went in and washed my hair in the bathroom sink because, you know, I'm staying here during the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, this is great. I'm not going to have to wash my hair again for a while. I'll still have to wash my head. But, you know, uh, this is this is wonderful. It'll I'm going to have down less on your products. morning routine. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about it. So please, there we go. Uh, you know, this is what we want to see is and then I can try different hairstyles after that. So please uh, add to this. So the, the funny thing about this is that the single most exciting thing about it is that Dr. Grampichet is so excited to shake my head and <laughs> bought props and things to go along with it because she's so into it. Oh. So, uh, you know, if for nothing else, just but that and iPads, let's, let's make this yeah, happen, you it guys. It could give somebody a voice. At, yeah. Well, mm -hmm. that's the really important mm -hmm. thing is that it gives the opportunity for people to communicate their needs, which yes. is a basic human right it shouldn't be a privilege and sometimes it is because things can be expensive for yeah. families so let's make it the right not the privilege mm -hmm. uh so that's that's my thing but do i didn't ask you if we had any taka updates well we are in the middle of our um autism a take action conference series which yes. is all through the month of april and we have live events we have some recorded education um, we, there are opportunities to ask questions of uh, the live speakers in, in the chat that we have in our platform. It's on the Taka Connect platform. It's $35. There are scholarships still available, so don't hesitate. Don't be shy. You will have access to the recorded education sessions um, up until May 31st. We also have what we call these take action sessions mm -hmm. where it's a chance to talk to other parents and kind of like, what did we just listen to? How do we, mm -hmm. how do we act on what we've just heard? Yeah. And um, those are really, really great for just brainstorming, yeah. you know, because you really need to bounce things off of people. And we have um, our, as uh, earlier on the podcast-a-thon, we had our lovely uh, Jessica and Ryan, and they um, were talking about the different things that our volunteers do. And then also we have a virtual, what we call support hour, that happens every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific. Mm -hmm. And it anybody can log in on the Zoom link and and just ask a question. Plus, our volunteers are mobilizing and getting out there in the community to have in-person coffee talks. Um, so you look on the website and see what, if a location is near you. You could go and meet some other autism families that are in your community. We really do want to build community. So there's a lot of stuff. I've probably forgotten stuff. So. <laughs> well, it's interesting because at, I, I think it was at 3 o'clock this morning I was doing a talk about my top 10 tips for parents of young kids. Mm. And tonight at midnight I'm doing the, the later one, my top 10 tips for parents of older kids, mm -hmm. teens and adults. 
And in both of them, I talk about you need a, uh, a local and a global support group, and yeah. that sometimes Taka can be both of that for mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. um, and that it's it's my go-to that I recommend to everybody. You know, I always say you guys have more good information on your website than anybody else, including us by far. Yeah. I'm never going to catch up to what you guys have. But we need to figure out your Tuesday at 10 a.m., like, because we're in competition then, because that's when we do Ask Dr. Doreen. Oh, no. So we need to figure something out with that, because then people are like, which one do I Which go to? Which one do I go to? Oh, um, no. So that's not, that, I didn't realize that. No, I so. didn't either. I wouldn't have said. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, it's okay to talk about it, but we should, uh, in the future, yeah. we should figure out so that we're not doing everything at the at same time. At the same time. time, yeah. Because that's, I hate that when I want to do two things at the same, of course, here's the thing, the, mm -hmm. the Ask Dr. Doreen, we always podcast it so that if you, I don't you know. You can if, listen yeah, to it. Yes, You can afterwards. listen to it later. Yeah, and we do not do that for the live support because yeah. we don't. We're, we don't want to share the parents' stories, you yeah. know. Every, we want them to know yeah. it's a safe space. So it's a different kind of yeah. thing, and and it's parent to parent. You know, if you want to pick Doreen's brain, that's you know. Yeah, that's but a great you could brain. you could ask a question um, on our platform, uh, then we'd answer it, and then you could watch the answer later on. Mm. And so you know, there you go. So you can do both, but mm -hmm. but in the future we should put our heads together and make sure that we're not doing things at the same yeah. time. Yeah, um, just a thing. But mm -hmm. when will we ever plan that? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> in our spare time. In our spare time. <laughs> yes. Uh, I tried so hard for the podcastathon to not interrupt anything that anybody else was doing, and I was a little bit over what you guys are doing, but I had talked to Lisa about it, and she said it was okay. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I didn't realize that it was uh, Passover, too. And, oh, yes. And so we've entered into Passover and uh, tonight, and, and so we want to say happy Passover mm -hmm. to anybody who participates in that. But if you do, you probably aren't watching because... Because you're, you're with you're, your family. Yes, yeah. and you're mm -hmm. observing Passover. Mm -hmm. But this will be recorded and podcasted, uh, so you'll have an opportunity to watch it later on. We Excellent. hope you will and know that we wished you happy Passover. So should we get right into what are you watching? Yes. And, except it's just a little bit different than that uh, this time. It's yeah. what, you know, what have you watched in the past? Because mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about... Uh, how autism has been portrayed in films. Mm -hmm. And I think I went chronological here. Well, I, uh, I numbered my pages so I can move things around okay. if I need to. Let me see. Do it on it. the fly. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, 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 oh no, I'm, I'm ahead of myself here. Okay, there you okay. go. Um, okay. So uh, I wanted to throw this one in, and it's a little controversial because I think there will be people who will say this is not autism being portrayed. Mm -hmm. um, but I have questions about whether it is. This is one of my favorite films. It's, you know, we named our son after the boy in it, Jem, mm -hmm. uh, directed by Robert Mulligan, starring Gregory Peck. And uh, obviously I put the picture of Robert Duvall there because he is the character in question. Do you mm -hmm. want to talk about it a little first and then we'll, yeah, we'll get sure. into it? Yeah, sure. I'll give a recap. If you don't know this film, it's a classic and you must see it. Um, it's based on the book by Harper Lee. Um, and Lee based a lot of the people in it on her real life, I believe. Atticus Finch is, is kind of her father, mm -hmm. um, and Scout is her, and Dill is her lifelong friend, who happens to be Truman Capote. So, kind of interesting. So, Scout and Jem are the children of Atticus, the town lawyer, and the moral center of the story. Um, we see the story through the eyes of Scout as she navigates growing up during the Great Depression in a small town in Alabama. And yeah, Atticus, I, I feel he's perfectly cast uh, with Gregory Peck playing him as a widower, and he's trying to teach his children right from wrong. And the title of the book comes from when Atticus tells his children it's a sin to kill a mockingbird, implying that the bird is 
the birds are innocent and harmless. So Tom Robinson, played by Brock Peters, is wrongfully accused of raping a white woman. And it is Atticus who agrees to defend him in spite of the overwhelming threats from the townspeople. Um, in one of the many memorable scenes, I'm getting chills just even remembering yeah, it. Yeah. One of the many memorable scenes, Atticus play, uh, sits vigil in front of the jail and um, a lynch mob comes to get uh, Tom. And um, Scout shows up and innocently diffuses the situation by just saying hello to some of the yeah. members of town. And I, I really love that because it kind of, it just brings like, hey, we're, your children are watching your yes. behavior, you yes. know. So the trial progresses, and then there's an, an additional mystery that um, Scout, Dill, and Jim are involved in with Boo Radley. And um, they, it's played by, he's played by a very young Robert Duvall. In fact, I think it was his film debut. I think so, too. And um, Boo is a recluse, and the children are speculating about him, and Atticus admonishes them to treat Boo more kindly. And I don't want to spoil the, the movie for anybody, so I don't want to say too much. Um, this film always makes me cry. Yeah. Always. Um, when I first saw it, I didn't notice Robert Duvall's name in the opening credits. Right, right. You know, because I was just, you know, and I, I knew who he was because I had been charmed by him in um, all, a lot of other roles. But one in particular, he's in a Twilight Zone episode called Miniature. And it's an oh. hour-long episode that they don't often show unless it's like a, a you know, marathon. Like, yeah. yeah, and um, it's free on Amazon, so I'm going to rewatch that. Wow. Anyway, when it's revealed who Boo is, it's a very emotional moment, and I gasp every time. Yeah. And, I, you know, I was hesitant when you suggested, mm -hmm. oh, Boo's probably on the spectrum, because I'm like, ooh, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It makes a lot of people <laughs> cl clench their butts. Yeah, clench it. Yeah, yes. like, oh, I'm not a professional, but right. I, I see what you're saying, and I, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know, but I think the point is he's definitely othered. He's definitely on the outside, mm -hmm. and um, I think that happens a lot. Obviously, we know this. Yeah. This happens a lot to people on the spectrum, and, and people, you know, well, a lot of people. I mean, I, you know, we all relate to moments yeah. where we're othered, but he's painfully shy, and, and yeah, yeah and, and a lot of people project things onto him of, you know, he's this weirdo or whatever. But what are your, what are your arguments for this? Well, I, you know, because part of the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I think that our, our global consciousness, we talk about April being awareness and acceptance and action month, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like if, if we look at what has really moved the dial about acceptance mm -hmm. and awareness, uh, that it's how autism is portrayed mm -hmm. in films and in television. Mm -hmm. And I really kind of want to talk about the arc of, you know, how, how did we get where we are today? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, I, and I wanted to learn more about it myself mm -hmm. and, and what it had been like for me. And, I, and this is by far, I think, my favorite movie of all time, mm -hmm. right? It's definitely in my top five, but it's probably my top. Mm -hmm. uh, so much so that I named my child yeah, after yeah. it, you know? Um, and there are so many different facets of this movie, I, I would argue it's a perfect movie. Mm. If there's such a thing as a perfect movie, I would say that this is a perfect movie. Mm. Um, because there, there are many different things that jive here mm -hmm. about what it means to be a human being mm -hmm. in this movie and, and how you are valued as a human being. And, and of course, we shine a big 
uh, spotlight in the film on race. Mm -hmm. And that takes up a lot of the discourse in the movie. But there's this very quiet thread that runs through it that's also, as you said, about othered Mm -hmm. and about disability. And not just Boo, Mm -hmm. but his family as well, that Mm -hmm. they have now become... There's there's a, a scene where they talk about where one of the neighbor ladies, I think that as as it Alice Ghostly that that played, I think so. Um, that she it's it's Dell's aunt, and she says, "Oh, don't go over there because you know he did this thing once, and they don't come out anymore." And and she tells this, and you can tell that she's just into the gossip about it. Um, and but the uh, but then Atticus comes along and says, "Leave them alone. They've had enough They've to deal with." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, but but it's clear that this family is not a part of this entire community and that they have in some aspects been shunned. Yeah. And they talk about that, you know, the the rumor is that Boo is kept chained in the basement. Right. Right. right? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. That he's the monster chained in the basement. And yet there there is this, this running theme, this little brook that runs through the film about someone who's loving and tender and gentle and... Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't want to spoil it. If you've never seen it, it's a thing that you got to watch because it is there is a reveal that's that's precious and lovely. But I, uh, this sort of, I don't diagnose either. But mm-hmm. I would argue that what they were getting at there mm-hmm. is someone likely on the spectrum because I don't know that he would fit into anything else. It seems like he is someone who has a great understanding of some things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't sense uh, as much of an intellectual disability there. That there, It's just that there's maybe a child's understanding mm-hmm. of things, but I don't, I don't know. But it, to me, uh, it's a comforting presence, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it's a beginning step on the pathway of saying mm-hmm. that we're going to show people in films that maybe are different from you, mm-hmm. but we're going to do it lovingly and gently. Right, right. And it was an award-winning film, and Boo Radley is an icon, mm-hmm. right, in our society. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether he's on the spectrum or not, but I think it's the thread that began... And I'm sure we could find other things if we went further back in film. But for me, it's it was like the thread of when was the first time in film that I saw someone uh, that was other, as right. you said, I like that word, right. and felt drawn to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that made a difference for me because I think anybody who watches that, well, you know, the, the, the whole film centers mm-hmm. on this concept of let's be nice to this person mm-hmm. who's not hurting anybody. yeah. Yeah. That isn't hurting anybody. Right. Um, So, I don't know. But Mm. maybe a question mark. Mm -hmm. I, to me, I... I like saying that maybe this is the start of it because it's such a good film. Yeah, yeah. And it does it so well. Yeah. So maybe I'm pushing to make the fit. You know, yeah. I know, I don't know. Maybe. Because sometimes I'm like, I want to believe it's true, so I'm going to believe it. Okay. You know? I like it. So <laughs> right. in any case. And then we move on to the very famous film. Rain the Man. The quoted film. Yeah. This is the movie about autism that most people know. And... um and in it, Tom Cruise um, plays Charlie Babbitt and his girlfriend, Susanna, uh, I think it's Susanna, I have a typo here, um, paid, played by Valerie Golina. They run a service of getting high-priced sports cars. We meet him when he's trying to do a wheeler deal and trying to, trying to um, save his business. Um, and he's using very aggressive sales tactics to keep a deal afloat. And then he gets the news that his father has passed away. And now 
he's heading home for the funeral, and he's pretty detached emotionally from it all, so we're like, hmm, you know, yeah. there's clearly a disconnect between him and his father. And at the reading of the will, we find out the entire estate has gone to a trust, um, and he's basically gotten the classic car, and we hear there's a history behind that. So it's almost like a little bit of an F.U. from the dad, yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, and this is when he, he searches for who the trust is benefiting, and that's how he discovers his long-lost brother, Raymond, played by um, Dustin Hoffman. And uh, he's an autistic savant living in a care facility, and the trust is going to continue to pay for his care. Um, so now it's like a road trip. Now yeah. it's like he decides, I'm going to get this, you know, he doesn't have to stay here. He's staying there voluntarily, so I'm going to bring him with me. And um, it's it's amazing. It's a, it's, it holds up pretty well, because I, I watched it recently, probably about a again, a few years back and thought, oh, God, you know, is it going to hold up? Yeah. And, and it did, yeah. actually. Um, and this, for most people, including myself, this is the first exposure yeah. to what autism is, and um, or at least one form, you yeah. know. And uh, in fact, when our son was diagnosed, we turned to the doctor and we're like, what what do you mean? All we know is Rain Man. That's right. our only frame of reference. Right. Is that what you mean? Right. You know, and... Uh, and then we also had a lot of people asking us, well, what's his special skill? Right. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, yes. he's fabulous. You know, that's a special skill. But it did well. The only thing I thought was out of place was, and it wasn't earned was um, Susanna dis- dances with Raymond in the, in, and gives him his first kiss. And I'm like, I just felt, uh, you know. Not your thing. Yeah. I, didn't, I felt it was inappropriate. And I Interesting. felt... Yeah, and it just, and it felt like it wasn't earned. Like she, the, and I actually felt like she, that character was given short shrift because she was kept out in the car by Charlie and then she was kept out of the movie by the writing and then yeah. brought back in when we need a pretty girl to give him a kiss. So yeah. I was kind of like, mm. but that was it. Everything else I felt landed well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I I think I think it was, it was, yeah, you know, I was not a fan of Tom Cruise, and um, I have become a fan of his. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, I feel like it was when he was cast as Lestat mm. because he there was an outcry of not having him cast yeah. as Lestat. And I've always felt prior to that he was a very self conscious actor, mm. and I felt like he there near the end he really, I really felt it. Interesting. And I thought, oh wow, okay, he actually can act, you know. And then I think Lestat forced him to just go big or go home, you know? So anyway, so that, that, um, oh God, I got to tell this story. Um, one of my favorite stories about this movie is, um, Jerry Newport. I don't know if you know who Jerry Newport is. They had a movie about, based on him and his wife called Mozart and the Whale. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, he tells the story of when he went to see Rain Man. Yeah. And the scene where the doctor gave Raymond two large numbers to multiply, um, when he was in the movie theater, he shouted out the answer mm. before. Mm-hmm. And then the people in front of him looked around like, what? Because yeah. then the answer he gave was correct. Right. And he was, that was his first inkling of, doesn't everybody know how to do that? Right. And he saw Dr. Rimland's name in the credits, and he contacted oh. him. Oh, so I just love that. So what are your thoughts? Uh, it's interesting because obviously I saw this movie well before I had a child on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So there are 
it's it's interesting because you know you see something and you form one opinion of it, and then life takes you in a different place and you have different things. So I uh, thought this was a very interesting movie when it was out. I wasn't a big fan mm. of Tom Cruise, but I am a big fan of Dustin Hoffman, and mm. I thought his I just thought his portrayal was amazing, and yeah. I loved it. And it wasn't my first exposure to autism. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first exposure to autism was the, the there was a little boy who lived in the house sort of behind in one house over, and I had known him when he was little, and then when I was a teenager, he showed back up frequently on my mother's porch, mm. on my mother's porch swing. Aww. It's something that um, I talk about extensively in my one-woman show because it's very interesting to me that this boy, even then, I didn't understand, but there was something about him that I think my DNA went, yeah, mm-hmm. Um and I didn't understand that at the time. I was maybe 16 years old, mm. and I was fascinated by him, mm. and and kept wanting, you know, to say, but how do you break through? Mm-hmm. That was always my question. But how do you break through? Mm-hmm. Like he's in his world of his own because he had the very classic spinning plates kind of mm. autism that we would t- have talked about in the late 70s, right? right. Um, and and there was, uh, no language mm. uh, whatsoever. And uh, and I watched his poor mother, and he was an eloper, he, and he would mm. often elope to my mother's porch swing, and that's where we would find him. So that was my first exposure to autism, and then to see someone with autism speaking uh, mm-hmm. in Rain Man was eye-opening to mm-hmm, me. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't think that that was possible. Um, and of course, the savant uh, aspect of it, I wasn't aware of. Then I tried watching the film again after my son was diagnosed, and I couldn't handle it. Yeah. I couldn't handle it all. I I ran screaming away from it. Mm. And and so I, I didn't re-watch the whole thing, but I watched scenes from it because I wanted to see mm-hmm. uh, now with the perspective that we have about authentic representation. Mm. And it's interesting, though, because, you know, you look at what Dustin Hoffman is doing, and he's playing one person on the spectrum. Well, this is it. This is always my thing. You know, yeah. they say when you see meet one person with autism, you met one person with autism. Yes. It's very unique, as are, as are yes. we all, you know. And, and I certainly have met people on the spectrum who are similar mm-hmm. to the type of autism that he's portraying. I think mm-hmm. that he did it respectfully. I don't think it would be allowed now. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it would. I think it would it would be shut down if if somebody tried to do that now. But I'm I'm you know and I also feel that because notice that you know the first film that we talked about was 1962 now we've jumped to 1988 mm-hmm. and there were so many years where this was the autism film mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and it was the thing that defined for an entire generation what autism was like people saying to you so what is your son's special skill right. and that we all had to combat that so i have some baggage with yeah. this film yeah. um which isn't really about the film itself no um so but i looking at it and i think that dustin hoffman did a great job i think he did a respectful uh job of playing one person on the spectrum right so let's continue on let's jump time jump a little bit to 2011 oh right yes extremely loud and incredibly close um and uh, well, you have there Stephen Daldry, the director, Tom Hanks, Sandra Bullock, and Thomas Horn, and Max von Sydow. Yeah. And um, Thomas Horn plays Oscar Schell, a 11-year-old boy on the spectrum whose father dies in 9-11. Um, Tom Hanks plays the father, and of course Sandra Bullock is playing his mother. And during a series of flashbacks, we get to see that 
Oscar was very close to his father, and his father delighted in setting up these games yeah. or clues, almost like scavenger hunt type things, to keep him entertained and also gently push him towards interacting with other people. Yeah. It was a lovely kind of relationship that was depicted. Um, in the aftermath, of course, of his father's death, Oscar is unmoored. He isn't able to connect with his mother, who, of course, is grieving herself. And eventually he finds a key hidden in a vase, and the key's in a little envelope, and there's a word on the outside, black. And because it's capitalized, mm -hmm. he assumes it's a person's name, last name. Mm. So he searches for all the people in Manhattan named Black, because he just assumes that this is something his father had left for him to find. So he then goes on this journey and systematically tries to go to each person and visit them and show them the key and see if he can find the lock that it opens. Um, one of the families consists of Viola Davis and Jeffrey Wright, mm -hmm. fabulous actors, um, a couple going through a challenging moment that Oscar's a bit oblivious to, you know. So it's an interesting journey thing. And, and there's a, his grandmother's living next door. It's hinted that the, his grandmother is a Holocaust survivor as well as the renter, this mysterious man that Max von Sydow plays, yeah. who is... Um, doesn't speak, either can't speak or won't speak, right. um, and has the word no written on one hand, the word yes written on the other, and has a little pen and paper. And he ends up joining um, Oscar on his journey. So the cast was amazing. I didn't read the book that it was based on, but I, I kind of wonder if the book was able to accomplish what the movie didn't, because the, the backdrop of the Holocaust and the suggestion, uh, I mean, sorry, backdrop of 9-11 and the suggestion yeah. of the Holocaust are really the like, huge, yeah. huge topics. And then it was already a movie about grief, and, and then this kid's running around with this silent companion, and it had this whimsical element, and it felt a little like, yeah. you know. So I had seen it when it came out, completely forgot about it and but for this show watched it again yeah and i'm like i don't think it i, I think the i you know i can't really put my finger on it but i feel like it was too big too big of a of a topic in a way but but the reason why we're talking about it is because, because of the it's, kid it's yeah. discussed that mm -hmm. they and they actually say the word autism yes, don't they, they? Do. yeah um but it's a very different type of autism than what we've seen in rain man and i think that that that's why I included it on the list because mm -hmm. um, for the first time in my memory, we mm -hmm. were seeing a character mm -hmm. that was a kid yes. on the spectrum, but he wasn't Rain Man. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt, and at that point, my son was already diagnosed, mm -hmm. and, it, and it was all these ripples. I think everybody was like, oh, you know, you got a kid, you got a character that's a kid on the spectrum. And I feel like my memory of the autism community was that we all were like, hey, nice. we're being represented. Here, yeah, yeah, and and mm -hmm. that this is you know, hey, there are people because in in life there are kids that are on the spectrum, and some of them lost their dads in mm -hmm. in nine eleven, yeah, and mm -hmm. and so there there was this, I I don't know this this feeling of hey, we have to support this film mm -hmm. because it it's it's giving including another, us, uh, yeah, 
including yeah, our family members our, and our loved ones. And it was that different type of autism. Mm -hmm. um, that, but, I, I, but my recollection of it was that I didn't particularly love the movie, but I was going to support it no matter what mm. because there was representation. Because like, yes, more of this, please. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. because I feel that constantly. Mm -hmm. I, and I've heard recently from people, because, you know, we live here in Hollywood and we know people who work in the industry, and people are like, oh, we're done with the, you know, there's every character in every movie is has autism but as I was putting the list together I was like that's really not true it's yeah. really not true uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think we're overexposed mm -mm. by any stretch of the imagination mm -mm. yet. I want to acknowledge that Eric wrote in and said, I saw the movie Keep the Change. It was about a couple that has autism in the movie and in real life and the actors and actresses that portrayed it. And I loved the movie. It was back in uh, 2017. And Ooh. I think that was the plot of it. And I want to say that uh, here's trivia for you. Because before it was a feature film, it was a short film mm. with the same actors and the same uh, director. And we had the director on Autism Live when it was a short film and they were trying to get the funding oh, to for, make, to make the, the feature-length film. And so I saw the short film, but I've never seen the feature wow. film. But it is the same actors. Okay. Um, and yes, you're right, Eric. They're, they are authentically uh, representing themselves. And they it's you know a man and a woman who, oddly enough, have two different types of autism. Mm -hmm. And they feel differently about their autism, about one wants to acknowledge it and the other one is like, no, I'd like to pass as not being on the spectrum. Mm. Um, and and what is learned mm -hmm. um, through that is uh, you know the short film was absolutely beautiful. Mm. Uh, so shall we continue on though Let's with our next do film? It. Let's do it. The oh. story of Luke. The story of Luke. I was not familiar with this. I think you had suggested it, and I'd never I'd never heard of it. So this, as the title says, is the story of Luke, and Luke is played by Taylor. Sorry, Lou Taylor Pucci, and he was abandoned by his mother and raised by his grandparents and now his grandmother has passed away and his grandfather will need to be put into assisted living so now the question is what what what's next for Luke so he needs to move in with his uncle and his uncle is played by Carrie Elways um, and Elways character has the always known that Luke could become his responsibility because yeah. he's always known that that might be in the cards for him um, and he grudgingly uh, but kindly welcomes Luke into the family, and it's a very dysfunctional family. Um, and then we watch Luke as he tries to achieve his goals, getting a job, finding a girlfriend, you know, all the things that you want to do to be an independent adult. Um, and he ends up working in a mailroom as a, a, an intern and is assigned to Zach, played by Seth Green. Yeah. And Zach is so... Horrible. It borders on cartoonish. Um, the R word is used often, um, and Zach just seems to be angry at the world. Um, and he's not the only one. Many of the other office staff treat Luke with contempt. Um, and I know the filmmaker was trying to show how hard it can be for a person who's different, but some subtlety might have been welcome because it was almost like it was just hammering on you. And I'm like, wow, you know, and because I feel like. There's also a, a, a sort of kind way to be rude to somebody, you yeah. know, that, that yeah. oh, well, oh, you know, yes. you don't need to yes. do that or whatever. And that would have been interesting. And then we find out that Green's character, Seth Green's character of Zach, is trying to create an AI software so he can figure out how to interact with women. And um, it would appear that Zach himself is also on the spectrum. Um, and perhaps 
his initial treatment was like his own internalized self-loathing. Mm -hmm. um, however, that doesn't excuse him. Um, but no. uh, I found overtones of Zach's interaction with Luke very disturbing. It felt like the beginnings of like the incel movement. It was very, yeah, yeah it was a little bit, it made me like, oh, God, oh. But what kept me watching was this, this lovely young man, Lou Taylor Pucci. I, he was so gentle and so determined but you know he i it, he was great and everybody in luke's world is made better by knowing him yeah and they all seem to grow um and even the horrible zach does a good turn for luke at the end um so i that it, it weirdly it felt like a student film to me <laughs> and uh, and i was like wow but i got through it because of the the charming um lou taylor Pucci, and now I want to find out what else he's been in because I'm, you know, not aware of him. Oh, we love Lou Taylor Pucci. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is another film that in 2012, we had the director and Lou T Taylor Pucci on the show. Fabulous. Um, yes, and we thoroughly loved being with Lou Taylor Pucci um, and talking about it. But it's interesting to me that in 2012, mm -hmm. it was unthinkable that somebody who was on the spectrum could have played that character. It was unthinkable. Yeah. Unthinkable, folks. I'm telling you, that would never have happened in 2012. Mm -hmm. um, I think the world's opinion of could someone on the spectrum handle the sensory uh, overload of being on a set and the responsibilities, I think... It wasn't even a question. Right. Nobody was talking well, about it. Well, and then it. there was no attempt to do it. Yes, yeah. and mm -hmm. nobody had tried to do it. Nobody mm -hmm. had said, you know, we'll risk going an hour into golden time if we have to because somebody's going to have a sensory issue. We just weren't seeing it. Let's remember that there are many actors that have come out and said, okay, I, I'm neurodiverse or I'm on the spectrum mm -hmm. or, you know, I have a diagnosis, whatever, that have come out since then mm -hmm. that are actors that have worked and done all kinds. Of, Wentworth Miller is a perfect example mm -hmm. of somebody who recently got a diagnosis um, but had been wor a working actor and we can look back and go, you know, he was managing it just fine. Mm -hmm. But at that time, nobody was coming forward and saying that. Mm. I mean, um, Anthony, Sir Anthony Hopkins has come forward and says that he's had a diagnosis of autism. Oh, uh, I don't not know if you heard knew that. that. No. Yes, he he says that he has a diagnosis. Mm. Um, but more on the Asperger ends of mm -hmm. things, of course. Mm -hmm. But um, back then, you know, in 2012, nobody was saying that. Mm. Nobody was saying that. And so the industry just had this idea that someone on the spectrum could not be played by someone on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. That is not our current thinking mm -hmm. at all. Um, but uh, it was interesting at that time because the director, Alonzo, he said on the show that his mom, I, I, I believe it was in Peru, that his mom has a clinic that she works with kids on the spectrum, and that's why this film was so important to him. Oh, and, it, okay. and I believe it's his first feature-length film, and mm -hmm. so I think that's why you look at it and go, okay. Yeah. Um, and they were trying to promote it and get distribution, and that was why they, they came and were on the show. And, uh, and I remember being so excited mm -hmm. about the fact that it was this character, mm -hmm. and we hadn't seen that since really Rain Man, mm -hmm. where uh, this, the film was going to revolve around, around this him. person on the spectrum and cast him in a good light. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was, I remember being very excited about it, and I thought that Lou Taylor Pucci was really lovely. It's interesting 
that, and I've seen him in many things that we, we super love him in. I'll tell you, he's hysterical in the a- Apple show Physical. Uh, I, I haven't been able to watch season two yet. Uh, oh, yeah, but, I stalled out. I need to get back to that. Yeah, you know, I forgot about I, that show. I, that, yes, I, my yeah. husband couldn't make it past episode three, but I loved season one, and I want to watch season two of that with Rose Byrne, but he is in that and plays the boyfriend oh, to, yes. the, to, the, to the girl that to she the, starts the company yes. with. He's the oh, videographer who um, I liked him, too. Yeah, surfs. I, I, yes. like, I like really you, wonderful. Mr. Pucci. And, and Traven can tell you 15 other credits that he has yeah. he has a huge following uh, a cult film kind of following uh, for Lou Taylor Pucci. Oh great. Uh, so a lot of people really love him. Uh, but I I watched scenes from it again this week and I was like, oh it's really hard for me mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me in light of the fact that we now know that someone on the spectrum could play this role. Could have played that easily. Yeah. Yeah. Easily could have played this role. It's hard for me mm-hmm. uh, to go back. Yeah, it is. It is yeah. a very interesting thing. But yeah. I, again, I think that he did a respectful, uh, really good job. And in 2011, I thought it was brilliant. Right. Uh, and now I just crave someone on the spectrum in that role. Yeah. Um, but let's move on uh, to some. This was in my memory. And then when I looked it back up to see who played the role, it shocked me yes. outside myself. Yes. Yes. Well, this, you know, we've got Robert Downey Jr., um, playing um, Hank Palmer, big city defense attorney, um, and uh, he's very cynical and you know, really rich and bragging about his rich, his hot wife, yeah. and you know, kind of a jerk. Um, and yeah. then he's notified his mother dies, so he returns to his hometown. Um, prior to him leaving, we find out that his hot wife has been having an affair and wants a divorce, and his life is kind of a little bit in a shambles. Um, so Robert Duvall is playing his father, and um, they have a, a very strained relationship. Yes. And um, we meet the older brother, Glenn, played by Vincent D'Onofrio, who I adore. Me too. And the younger brother, Dale, played by Jeremy Strong of Succession, yeah. which actually I have not seen, but he oh. I've heard a lot about him. And um, Dale of course, is the character that we would say has autism. I don't know if it's ever said. There's one thing that uh, is said, and I don't remember whether it's that they use the A word or whether they say spectrum. Mm. But, there's, but the whole movie, I remember watching and going, he's on the spectrum, he's on the spectrum. And I was excited about it. I was like, there's a character in this film, he's on the spectrum. And, and my husband was like, no, no, no. And then there was something, I think it's Robert Duvall says something. He's like, about the mother, your mother, because you know, you know, we were, something, I think it's on the spectrum. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it goes by pretty quickly, but there is, the R word is used again by the, the sort of mean town, mm-hmm. townspeople. And, uh, um, you know, so it, it was, it was, that was like, Ugh. but, you know, Hank is the one that takes him down a peg by verbally, you know, being glib with a rapid fire kind of, kind of big city takedown. But it was weird because it was portrayed as heroic. And I'm like, you're just name calling too, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, you, I don't know. So it was odd. It was an odd film. I felt, I felt like it wanted to be a lot of different things, Yes. you know, and, um, and we find out that Hank's got to defend his father against murder charges, and it's like, okay, so the son's defending the father who was a former judge and all this stuff, and then um, it's it's odd, you know, and we watched through that, he, they, their relationship changes, but the character of Dale, 
I feel like he was more like a plot device because yeah. he was the one that was kind of the memory of the family and had all the home movies. And so that was kind of, yeah. And so I, it was unsatisfying in that way because I'm like, oh, okay. I know this character has autism, but he's like tertiary. He's not, you know. Yeah. And I thought, hmm, I don't like that. Um, so it, you know, it was, it was too much. There were too many things going on, too yeah. many ideas, I think, in this film. Well, it, it, I think everybody sort of admits, uh, uh, cops to the fact that it's not a successful film. Right. But I think the reason why I thought it was important to include on this list was that here we are with pretty big name actors mm-hmm. in a movie, and there's a character that's on the spectrum, and it's not a central plot point of the film. Mm. It's now just the thing. Yeah, it's there and it's it's referred to, but it's it's not necessarily the be all end all. It's not what the whole movie is about. Right, right. But I think that the film struggled with. I agree with you. Like too many things that it tried to do all at the same time, because mm-hmm. um, it's a mystery mm. and uh, you know, and it's a heartwarming family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was a bit but odd. difficult. Yeah, uh, I want to acknowledge that Eric uh, has said that the R word would be offensive nowadays towards someone that has autism or any other special needs, mm-hmm. and that uh, they said I hate that word, and yeah. I think we both are in agreement about that. Mm-hmm. And. Um, it is shocking to me now when I watch something where it just flows freely. It, I, yeah. I, I'm just like, oh, how yeah. could that ever have been? It, it, I have a visceral reaction mm-hmm. like I've been slapped. Yeah. She I, I, used it towards anyone right. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really am amazed that how far we've come. I love the whole uh, the campaign to end the, the R word. Mm-hmm. I think that that you know, was actually a very brilliant thing. Yeah. And when I hear or see someone who is still using it, I, I want to say, right, what rock have you been living yeah, under? Yeah, I know. What's wrong with you? That, yeah. that mm-hmm. you have not That you think that this on, is okay. That yeah. society has spoken and weighed in on this and said no. Mm-hmm. Now, we could argue about why and, and whatever, but society voted. Mm-hmm. And, and the R word is, is not... Is out of here. You know, I mean, <laughs> I want to say that the R word meant something besides that. Mm-hmm. But it, but society spoke mm-hmm. and said no, we can't yeah. have it. Yeah, can't have it. Mm-hmm. It's got to go. So we have no room for that whatsoever. Right. Okay. Uh, moving on. Then we jump into some documentaries, and I feel like there's this interesting arc about how we got we got you know had Rain Man, and then we get a little bit more, a little bit more, and then I feel like there was a rash of documentaries where things started to change the mm-hmm. way. Hollywood was looking at things, and I right. credit the the these documentaries. But we, we're starting with Life Animated, which was a 2016. Yes, film. yes, and this is a documentary about the Suskind family. Um, Ron Suskind is a journalist, and he it's a further exploration of his book, this documentary, because uh, it has a book of the same name called Life Animated. And um, it chronicles his, his, he and his wife Cornelia's journey to find a way to communicate with their son Owen as well as prepare him for an independent future. And I love that they were able to take Owen's love of Disney and use it to create language. Um, basically, Owen has all the Disney films memorized. He uses this emotional dialogue to help communicate with his family. Um, what I also love is the entire family jumps on board to like, all right, we're going to do this, and and they because they found this new way to communicate. And then there's there's a scene where they describe being met with skepticism. 
um, and even discouragement from one of the professionals who labels Owen's use of Disney dialogue as echolalia. It's like, yes, it's echolalia. However, um, somebody, uh, as somebody who watched my own son memorizing dialogue and using it purposefully, I have to say, don't knock it. You yeah. know, um, we, re we realized that our boy was doing this and it was just amazing because he lost one of his animals and he kept, uh, he used to carry around these zoo animals and he, he lost one, couldn't find it. And um, he was in a panic and he kept saying, polar bear, where are you? Polar bear. And I didn't understand what he was doing and he kept repeating it. And then all of a sudden he, I followed him into his room mm -hmm. and he kind of like, polar bear, where are you? There you are. And then I realized that's what I would say when I would help him find something. Mm -hmm. And when I found it, there you are. Mm -hmm. And he was trying to, he couldn't get to it. It was under his bed. Oh. And I crawled, I got it for him. And I thought, well, if that's not purposeful communication, I don't know what is. So yeah. I got mad at this. Oh, it's, it's, it's echolalia. You know, it's like, no, yeah. it's, it's repeating sounds and then putting meaning to them. It's just because you don't know what the meaning is, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, you know, uh, it's, the Susskind family is just lovely, and Owen learns and grows, and it's a wonderful thing to watch, to him face challenges and disappointments, you know, along the way. And um, I just, I love this. I thought this was, was really great, and it, yeah. it gave him a lot of dignity as well, you know, which often can be missing, you know. Yeah. yeah, and I, I want to say that I think this film was pivotal in moving forward the conversation about autism in films because, and we've, we've had uh, Cornelia Suskind on the show before, mm -hmm. so, um, but, but I think because Ron was already so well known, mm -hmm. there, was, there was enough, and the book did so well that there was enough umph behind this that it went mainstream mm -hmm. and that enough people saw this film and and it put a new way of looking at autism on the map right it wasn't because i think at that at, before this film came out i think the general public looked at autism and thought okay it's either uh like there's three categories so you're in the category where you're nonverbal and hand flapping and they assign that person is not having any awareness of anything or any intelligence, which mm -hmm. is wrong, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But then there was the category of you're a rain man and you're a savant, but mm -hmm. not somebody who can live independently. Or then you're in a category where you're just a brilliant, like mm -hmm. math coder person, mm -hmm. but you're very Aspie and, you know, very Bill Gates-ish. Mm -hmm. Not or that we're diagnosing mm -hmm. him, thank you. But you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. People, you know, Einstein, people talk about, mm -hmm. you know, that there are people who are brilliant like that, but very high functioning and can be in the world and life and whatever. Um, but they, these brilliant minds, that those were the three categories. And I loved that the Susskind family said, we're going to allow you to come in and see. And, and people could, first of all, see that, um, you know, how this child had been the, the part where Ron describes, I love to look at these home movies because this, you know, to remember that he was this way and then he changed. Yes. Whoo! Yeah, that's you know? actually one of the things I always tell newly diagnosed parents because we put down the video camera. Yes. And then we picked it up again as things, you know, were starting to get, get better. When starting to get better. But I'm like, I... I wish I had all of that because yeah. even that stuff that we thought, you know, yeah. it was like the, it, there's always yeah. growth and, you know, yeah. 
Yeah, I loved uh, Dr. Grand Pichet always says videotape, videotape, videotape. Even if it's a heartbreak now, it might be, you know, something that makes you feel better later on. Right. But I, so I, but I think seeing, you know, this, this young man go from somebody that they were like, oh, he's only just saying these no purpose Mm -hmm. Disney things that mean nothing to going to somebody who's fully communicative Mm -hmm. and, you know, lives uh, independently to a degree. Mm -hmm. I think that was really edifying to the world in such a way that it changed the yep. way everyone looked at Was things, but certainly yes. how Hollywood looked at it. Yep. We got a power um, through, because do we have two more? No, I think we only have one more. Okay. I, I just have, yeah, please stand by. This is the last one. I actually yep. really love this. This is um, uh, 2017 uh, Dakota Fanning, Tony Collette. Um, Dakota Fanning is Wendy, a woman with autism living in a group home, and she's trying to write a a script for Star Trek. Um, Right off the bat, I love this concept because I'm a lifelong Star Trek fan, um, and I think the fandom has been a very safe space for people on the spectrum. Um, We've got um, Mr. Spock, we've got Data, you know, they're they're heroes, and and, you know, I think they made a lot of people feel seen. Um, when they when there was no real representation um, and uh, uh, this the um, uh, let me see I'm skipping down because uh, I want to be so clear oh anyway yeah, um, but yeah that kind of world and even like the the trekkies or trekkers whichever you prefer it gives a framework for people to bond a common a common yeah. element you know um, so. Uh, Wendy's sister, Audrey, is played by Alice Eve and is a Star Trek person herself, a Star Trek alum herself. She's got a new baby, doesn't know if Wendy can be around because Wendy gets overwhelmed um, at times. And uh, Wendy is wanting to submit her script to Paramount for a contest. It's a 500, almost 500-page 500 script, which is epic, because <laughs> yeah. most movie scripts Wordies. are about 120. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And we're cheering her on as she figures out how to, how to get the script to Paramount, because she missed a deadline to mail it, yeah. and she has to physically go and drop it off in person. So it's a road trip. It's a hero's yeah. journey, and we're following Wendy. And um, nothing about the structure of the film or anything was groundbreaking, but it's a lovely story with really good actors. And I, I loved particularly when Patton Oswalt showed up mm-hmm. and the way he connected with her, yeah. which I want you to see. I won't spoil it. Um, and we see her become more adept at navigating the world and um, even reaching out a bit socially in small gestures. And I just loved her. She knew who she was, and I loved that about this character. I know... Dakota Fanning is not a person, on, at least that I, that I know of. It's right. not a person on the spectrum, so there's that. But I, I really liked this film. I thought it was upbeat. And- well, and what I want to argue is that here's what was groundbreaking about it was that all the she lives in a home uh, that that's where she's been staying since her sister had the baby, and all of the characters that were peripheral mm-hmm. were played by actors on the spectrum. And it was the first time that Mm. in in a mainstream kind of film that we had that it opened the door. And I think that between the the Suskin film, Life Animated, and this and a couple of other things is when we saw the jump to television. I think this paved the way for The Good Doctor. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we started seeing 
actual representation. We, mm -hmm. you know, we saw Kobe Bird first on Speechless play. Uh, he was a teenager on the spectrum. He played a teenager on the spectrum, mm -hmm. and it was like, hold on, what's happening here? Mm -hmm. And then Kobe Bird was cast to be they, playing a boy on the spectrum on The Good Doctor, and it mm -hmm. was like, hold on, what's happening? And then there was a flood, mm -hmm. and I feel like now in films and television, it's it's almost that you can't do it any other way than authentic representation. But I feel like the door just kept getting a little bit more open and a little bit more open. But that is what's groundbreaking about mm -hmm. Stand By Me. And I remember going to one of the screenings mm -hmm. with a lot of the actors oh, nice. um, that were that were in the, the peripheral and everybody was just a buzz about it because mm -hmm. it was like, oh my gosh, they're yeah. really they're starting to do it. Yeah. It's starting to make a difference. We're totally out of time. We are out of time. Um, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna be back with talking about more things that we're watching, not necessarily with characters with autism, but I've enjoyed this talk. Wonderful. Uh, and, and so, uh, but we, we, we have to give over our feed uh, because I think that it's, is it Kyle Jessel who's up next? The Autism Driven Dad that you guys are going to love. So Kyle, uh, after these messages, take a look.